Let me tell you a secret. Veterans are entering a world full of opportunity, but you can only participate if you know the tricks of personal branding, leveraging your skills in the modern digital economy, and most importantly, positioning your benefits and assets to give you financial control when you stop following orders. I'm Scott Tucker, and I'm here to tell you what they don't want you to know. Welcome to Veteran Wealth Secrets, where we show you how to go from apathy and aspiration to autonomy and financial control. Welcome back to Veteran Wealth Secrets. I'm Scott Tucker, and this show is about helping active duty military, those in transition, veterans looking for something else to go from just relying on paychecks and government benefits to creating autonomy and financial control. And in order to do that, it requires thinking outside the box, understanding what's going on in the modern economy. How do you apply your military skill sets to these new post-military opportunities that have never really been available before, except for as they started to appear in the last decade and couldn't have anybody better to talk to us about some of this stuff than Pete Turner, the host of the Break It Down show. Pete, thank you so much for joining us. Always great to have a professional podcaster. I'm, I mean, I joke when I call myself an amateur or getting started and stuff, but hey, that's yeah. how you that's how you build the skill sets uh, to get going. And uh, I, for so long after the military, I thought my life had to be this one thing. And it's as you slowly break down the barriers, you open up to so much more. It's just, it just keeps growing and the more opportunities show up. And I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile. I think it looks like you've had that epiphany in multiple different ways throughout your life. <laughs> Can you t tell us a little bit about kind of how you went from counter intel yeah. to now a podcast host and, and and maybe some of the things that you did along the way that that helps you not only you know, do what you do, but also serve others through doing it. Yeah, when you when I ask this question, especially in terms of veteran transition, I always remind people like when you see my background, it's like you go to the gym and, and I'm like this big muscly guy with giant lats and you know huge <laughs> quads. But things that I've been at this for a long time and everything blends into the other, and there's a whole lot, there's a lot more failure and a lot more mistakes there that you don't see in that mirror when I'm flexing with my bikini on. There's there's a lot of trial and everything else. So don't for one second think that just because I'm successful in the podcast world that uh, I haven't had to work extraordinarily hard. I was a counterintelligence agent in the mid 90s, got out in the late 90s and ended up getting back in for 9-11. Actually, I was already in the reserves when that happened, but I got back into the game and I started working with the military rather than for it mm -hmm. or in it. And so I worked for DOD. I worked on contracts. I worked for just a lot of different things within the federal government. And I got to go, here's where I stand out in terms of the people you're going to interact with that have combat experience. I went outside the wire as much as I wanted to. Mm -hmm. The battalion commander often gave me control of their PSD and we'd all go out together. And I had an unfettered access because I'm exceptionally good at what I do. Because you think about a military person who does a job, right? If you're a mechanic, if you're a cook, if you're whatever it is, you only do that when you're a lower ranking person. And then unless you're like the chef for the general, if you're mm. an E7, you haven't cooked in years, not reliably. Nah. So I developed all these skill sets, became not just good at working in the field, not just competent, but expert level where I could look at someone who had multiple tours and be like, here are things you need to work on. And kind of a sensei in terms of here's how you get better at collecting in the field. 
in a conflict zone, mm -hmm. which might sound arrogant, but I've got over a thousand combat missions. Now, if you learn one thing each time, all of a sudden it's, hey, you've learned a lot of things. I, I got tired of being deployed. I got tired of, I didn't get tired of the money, but I got tired of just burning my life. If I wanted to go get wings with my friends and beer, I, I couldn't do it. And I would come home on leave. I'd blow through a bunch of money that normally I wouldn't do, but I hadn't had any fun for six, eight, 10 months, whatever. So I was like, it's time to do something else. I've got to move on. I'm tired of this threat world. And, and also I'd rolled the dice a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I had been, look, I've been shot at, blown up, everything. Yeah. You know, like when I saw um, American Sniper, I'm like, all those things have happened to me. I've never oh, been shot, <laughs> but, but all of those things. Right. You know, I mean, all of it has happened. And I'm like, I've really, I've got to do something else. So in 2012, I decided to, to, for the most part, stop. I wasn't 100% convinced, but I'm like, I'm going to do my best to, to not go back to that threat world at all. Mm -hmm. And um, I had one more job where I did a bunch of surveillance work and it convinced me, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do this. This is just, I don't enjoy that world anymore. I'm done with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, and also I paid a price like mentally and physically and my body's beat up. So I transitioned and I tried to start my own company, but no one knew who I was because I was a good spy. I wasn't a good networker within the military so I could get a sweet gig afterwards. I didn't know mm -hmm. anybody because I worked on the side of a mountain with a bunch of E4s and right. O2s and O3s. That was real hard. And I couldn't get traction for my ideas. My ideas were sound. Everybody always loved what I had to say, but mm. I didn't have, you could only wear so many hats for so long before they're like, you need to grow in a different way. Like mm. I had to learn marketing. I had to learn how to be a CEO. And I'm still learning these things. Mm. Exceptionally proficient at certain aspects, but I'm very peaky with my skills. And so I, I transitioned out of that. And then I had to go become a handyman because no one would hire me. No one in corporate America cared about me. Mm -hmm. I would send my application in, not even get a response. A lot of times, one time Pacific gas and electric, the electric company in Northern California said, yeah. uh, when I applied for veteran like liaison and they said, you fail to meet the minimum standards for this job. And I was like, do you even know what you just said <laughs> to a veteran? You just called okay. me a fat body right. who, who can't even do the minimum. And I'm like, there's no way a veteran wrote those words because we would know not to write that. And by the way, what standard did I not meet? I've got a master's degree. I've got a veteran. What did I fail to meet? There's no, I never got a job. I applied. I specifically did this. I'm like, if I've been on over a thousand patrols, I'm going to apply for over a thousand jobs. I tried mm -hmm. for ones I was qualified for, underqualified for, overqualified. I tried it all. I, I tested all the patterns and I never found anything. Not even, I never, my resume never got me a single interview from one of my submissions. I had a couple of interviews yeah. from people who were um, friends of friends and they're like, hey, yeah, I'll have them come in. One guy said, go back to Afghanistan. And the other guy said, before we talked about anything, he's like, I can't afford you. So what happens for, because often I always talk about, hey, you might transition out of the military and get that first gig and assume that's going to be your career for, for the rest of your life. And yet- yeah. Something could happen. Something happened to you, your employer, you piss somebody off, they fire you, whatever. That transition doesn't stop. And so you're going to find yourself many years later transitioning again, because really, maybe in a way you didn't transition. How did you deal with that? How, how do you feel you dealt with that either, either mentally? And obviously, it must have been fr super frustrating to, yeah. to not even land a gig, but to now not have all those, oh, come to the transition assistance, join this program, go to this recruiter this headhunter yeah. clearly you came out on the other side of it because you, you found something to a secret maybe to help you figure <laughs> yeah. out all right that doesn't work maybe i shouldn't try that yeah before i go any further let me just say here are two yeah. of the secrets and if you okay. don't do these things you're crazy you have to outwork your problems and you need a mentor find someone who's three layers above you 
and then just be relentless. It doesn't have to be that one person, but pick the ideal person and then pick the next person until someone says, yes, I'll be your mentor. And you'll find one. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have one, you're going to have to, and look, we're bad at this in the military. You don't have to reinvent all this stuff. You don't mm -hmm. have to just suffer. You really can say, I need help. Would you be my guide? I'll do whatever you say. And then do whatever they say. Don't argue with them. I get a lot of people will ask me these kind of questions, especially for podcasting. And I will present them the dragon. Now, here's the dragon. Mm. You need to figure out how to kill this dragon right here. And they'll say, yeah, but I'm like, let me know when you've done it. I'm yeah. glad to help. But until you kill this dragon, it don't matter. So look, that's my advice for that. And I forgot your question. Tell me what your question was. again. I was just talking about there's the tra traditional transition assistance process. Right. And there's all the groups and organizations, the classes, required briefings, checklists and everything. And, and it seemed like you were transitioning, you know, separate on your own. And, and there weren't the recruiters or, or that kind of stuff available. What did you do eventually to break out and figure yeah. out your own support structure system? Obviously, mentorship was part of that. But yeah. how did you make that step to say, hey, this isn't working for me. Why am I trying this anymore? So I was already out of the military when I was mm -hmm. done being deployed. So I was already a federal civilian, but there's not really a program for this. So when I got out, I really was on my own and I didn't want to live in D.C. And I didn't want to do the things that would give me the normal job in that because I didn't want to do that stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. I was really tired of it. And so I had to invent my own transition and it made me want to kill myself, made me feel obsolete. You have to understand, I had specific influence with brigade commanders battalion, yeah. that I earned. And I would say to them, you're going to trust me. You're going to put your battalion, your brigade in a direction that I'm going to guide you for. And you're going to thank me for it. You're going to say I'm your biggest force multiplier you have. Mm -hmm. And I would predict the future for them. And then they would look at me a couple of weeks later and be like, you told me you were going to do this. All right, let's go. So. I went from that kind of influence where I would be put in front of generals. This is our guy. This guy helps us see things we can't see to being ignored, being treated as I was obsolete. Like, oh, yeah, counterintelligence agent. What can you do here? What can't I do? Right. I can go into a foreign environment, cross language, cross religion, conflict zone. I can and I can thrive. You're telling me you don't have a role for me here? Like you think mm -hmm. I can just be a security guard? You don't know enough about what I do. How do I explain this to you? Mm -hmm. I never got the chance to explain it though. I never got in the room. Oh. So I would go to these affairs and you got to keep mind. I've got a master's degree. I've got a lot of experience. And so I would come in with my resume. They would look at it and they would say, we have jobs for 35 grand a year. And I'm like, you didn't look at my, so I had, and maybe this is the wrong approach. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is the wrong approach, but I'm like, I have done things. I'm not saying I'm precious. But if you're going to put me in a entry level role, you're ignoring all of my experience, all of my education, and you're putting me in a financial bind. How am I supposed to thrive in that environment? If you don't, if you don't value you, me, and I don't value me, then I've devalued myself and I wasn't willing to do it. I'm mm. absolutely willing to take a job where I've got to earn my way in. I'm absolutely fine to work hard. But I wasn't willing to say, yeah, let me make 35 grand and get on this undetermined path because that that would make me make bad decisions personally. Mm -hmm. And I knew that because I'd tried that path before. Let me get my foot in the door and work my way in. And then the next thing, because I'm a wild horse, I got to go off camp all the time. I got to mm -hmm. do what I wanted when I wanted and work where I saw the work was. That doesn't make people comfortable. And again, if they don't interview me, I can't even explain how and what I do. So. For me, that transition process was messy. I, I probably lived in an area that was comfortable in terms of friends and family and, and, and climate, but I probably should have moved to a place that was more advantageous to what my goal was. And my goal, it had to evolve because I couldn't reliably advance towards it. So I had to constantly reinvent.
And that gets to be dangerous because then you're just like changing your mind all the time. So mm -hmm. that those parts of transition were tough. So if you've got credentials and you come out, the TAP program or whatever gonna whatever program it is for your service, the the job fairs, those probably aren't aligned for you. All of the nonprofits that are like, yeah, hey, we help veterans get jobs, we'll give mm -hmm. you a suit. Like I've got 10 suits. Yeah. I don't need a suit. <laughs> Here's what I need from you. Open doors. Get me an interview mm -hmm. and I will land the job. Here's what I need help with. Open the doors. I don't know. You say the people open the doors, let me go in and apply. And they're like, can you commit to applying for 10 jobs? Like I can apply for jobs all day. Yeah. Would you like to get a forklift operator certificate? No. Did you? <laughs> I'm credentialed. Help me get in the door here. I want to dish out any of these jobs. I think I'd be competitive in. Can you get me interviews? No, we can't because their role is to get me a job, mm -hmm. not the job, not right. a career. And so it just, and there's a lot of people like me. And if, if you're an 04 and you get out, you're like, I've got a master's degree. I've got a lot of experience. So I don't want to work in the contract world. Who's going to be, who's going to help you find a job? It's just, it isn't reliably set up to work. There are places, but you now have to survey the entire field of people doing these things. Mm -hmm. So when I say all these things, it's not to say, well, was me or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's to say transition is a multifaceted broken jar that you have to like hobble together and mm -hmm. find the right piece. It's a puzzle that you don't know where all the pieces are. It's mixed with a bunch of other pieces and it's hard and you should expect a lot of trial unless you want to be a cop then that's a known path. That's easy. Don't even talk to me about transition. You got it. You figured it out. Yeah. But if you come out and you're like, I want to do something different. I want to go to Hollywood. I've met a lot of military writers who write in Hollywood. And they've all said the same thing. It was hard. I almost went broke. I had no money. I didn't think I was going to make it. And then I made it. Right. So the transition can be a lot of different things. And again, that's why you need a mentor. If you know what you want to do, or if you, at least you think you do, Figure out that person who's ahead of you and ask them, how do I get to where you're at? How do I get to step two? How do I do step 10? Yeah, because I, I think what you went through, ultimately, like it reminds me of myself. I, I was a Portuguese major from West Point, air yeah. defense officer. I didn't yeah. want to be a contractor. Didn't want to, The only thing I could have done was gotten an air defense job on the federal side, which quite frankly, I didn't know any of this stuff. I was just, <laughs> just a, a Pogue guy. And then I see this constantly, this thing, hey, we're, we're not understanding. We don't, the, the civilians don't understand what the military value is individually, other than leadership skills or they're hard yeah. workers. It's a yeah. lot of everybody. What do you wish... Maybe you're glad you didn't get any of those jobs right now, but let's just say you, you, you could go back to your former self. What do you think needs to happen on the communication realm for, cause Hey, if you can't even get the interview, you can't talk. So right. how do you go around? How do you do the back door type stuff so that they're hearing you regardless of whether or not you have even an interview, right? I, or or I the resume. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I never figured it out. Mm -hmm. I tried all kinds of things. And again, I meet people for a living. That's what a spy does. Mm -hmm. And I had to constantly work on this problem of how do I solve this? I can help Google. You're telling me that there's no job at Google mm -hmm. that a spy can do? Come on. But yeah, I could never get in the front door. So someone would say, well, work on your resume. Like, okay, I hired someone to, to do a resume. And then I would send it in and get no response and feedback to adjust off of it. Just, I just get this null value. And so I would adjust my resume. I would adjust my resume. I'd work on my elevator pitch. I would try to meet people at marketing meetings and that kind of, I would did all of these things mm -hmm. and just could not find anybody that I got, I, I went and I worked for a temp agency, right? I'm like, I've got to make some money and keep in mind every day I'm working. 
I'm not making enough money. I can go mm-hmm. out and do handyman work and I can make enough money to, to not drown. I was drowning every day. I had to eat every meal at this place because the food was free. But I would take BART, which is a rapid transit thing in the Bay Area. I would take that and the, the BART commute every day was two and a half hours of my pay just to cover that. Oh, wow. You know? So you're yeah, just like, yeah. man, how do I get ahead? I, and I have to pay taxes. Okay, so there's no mm-hmm. money left for me to pay rent and, you know, buy my own food or whatever. That process of trying to to get on top of this problem, if you can't get a response, is an indication to you that you're not going in the right direction. Uh, and you need to dramatically pivot and, and mm-hmm. figure out how do I get help to solve this problem? How do I find a new goal that I want to go on? Look, if there's a job that you want to do, let, let's say that you want to get into operations. And I don't know why any company wouldn't hire an operations officer on the spot and be like, great, we'd love to see you be the CEO, COO one day. I mean, we know operations, right? But they don't know if they don't know. So you have to find a way to meet that person. I would, I, here's what, just to get an idea. I went to Cal State University Hayward. Mm-hmm. I found a guy on LinkedIn. He went to Cal State East Bay. It's the same school. They changed the name of it. And he worked at a company that I had targeted specifically. And he was a headhunter there. And I said, hey, you don't know me, but we both went to Cal State East Bay. And you have a job that I'm interested in. I would love to find out, like, maybe could we have lunch and just talk about what it's like to work there? Mm-hmm. No response. Wow. I followed up. <laughs> no response. I followed up and he's, hey, I saw that you sent me a couple emails. I'm just really busy. And I'm like, that's cool, man. It doesn't have to be tomorrow. It doesn't have to be next week. But if I can buy you lunch, that'd be sweet. Mm-hmm. And this guy literally never helped me out, never engaged with me in any kind of meaningful way. I'm like, okay, let me try a different path. And again, I'm on LinkedIn. So I go out, I reach out to the LinkedIn person and they've got military jobs available. And he is the military liaison. And I say, mm-hmm. hey, brother, I'm a military guy just like you. I could use some help. I live mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. I'd love to come in, love to buy you lunch, love to be pleased. I like, do something else. Don't come. To- I never met with that guy. And I went to the guy above him, never met with that guy. Wow. And I said, you guys treat me like I'm a stepchild. I can come into your office. I can do an odd job for you, build a desk or put chairs together, stuff that's like way below my skill level, but I'm not, but not beneath me because I need money mm-hmm. and you won't have a professional meeting with me. Yeah, that's unfortunately I hear this too much. A buddy of mine, 24 year special forces, West Point grad. And, and, and he's got an interview and they were like, well, you're going to have to take out the trash and stuff sometimes. And he's just, whoa. And that, that led him to entrepreneurship. Yeah. So as you said, it's if, hey, if things aren't working out, it's not the structured military where you got this one career path, go to this school, get this rank. And we're such, we're often still stuck in that mindset that to do something like a drastic pivot, not even fathomable on active duty, it almost seems dishonorable. It's, oh, am I allowed to? Right. How do do you (laughs) give, I I like to say, because I did this to myself. I, I remember about 10 years ago, I was sitting on the couch. My German opera singer girlfriend had just dumped me. Um, I was stuck over in Germany. I didn't really, I loved it, but I didn't want to be there. And I was self-employed financial advisor, hated it. Didn't think it was, Mm -hmm. I've been losing my integrity. And I just remember sitting to myself, saying to myself, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to find it. And still looking, but boy, has my my outlook and everything changed. 
What happened next for you? What to describe this pivot and how it ended up at the breakdown show and so, and so many other things. Please yeah. share whatever you want to share and promote, man. <laughs> yeah. So the break it down show is the main thing that I do, but I also produce podcasts for people. And that's something that I can reliably do. I always need more clients. I always need more customers. But when I first got back in 2012, a friend of mine who became a very good friend, basically like a brother now, he had a local radio show. And so he's come in, let's tell stories, that kind of thing. And so I just never left. And then we just kept working together. He actually came and joined me in the handyman service for a while we were doing handyman work and then we would do our show once a week and we we're like we, we can do this we can mm -hmm. this is this is seven years ago so the podcast thing hadn't exploded yet and so we just kept working and kept improving and i kept learning and learning and even he he's a founder of the show he's always part of it but even he's i have to go make money doing other things and mm -hmm. so it got leaner and leaner and it's terrifying i liken it to you're on a chasm you've got a big tall piece of bamboo and the guys i don't know what's over there but if you're going to go anywhere you have to go through this foggy crevasse on mm -hmm. this piece of bamboo and hopefully you'll land on a piece of land on the other side usually works out go ahead and jump and it's like indiana jones you stick your foot out and you take that step but to do that you can't have cable you you can't have two hundred dollars in subscriptions to shit that you don't need Ooh, sorry i said it's where we're sorry um you, you, you have <laughs> to you have, <laughs> yeah yeah you have to be lean if you go on patrol every day and you've got 40 pounds of extra bs that you don't need you're stupid that's how it is. You have to be lean like that to do this podcast game or to be an entrepreneur. You have more work to do than you have time to do it. So you have to figure out how to multiply yourself. There's a reason why a lot of veterans go down the uh, entrepreneur route. And again, you have to have a network. You, in the military, we like to wear a lot of hats. It makes us valuable. It makes us feel good. It keeps us busy or whatever. Yes, wear a lot of hats. You have to do that. But more importantly, you have to find other heads to put hats on. And if that's money, if that's cajoling, if it's time, it's trade, whatever it is, you have to find other hats and other heads for other people so that you can be surrounded by great people who help you get to where you're going. That's that's leadership, right? You don't have enough stuff to do the job. You have an impossible job and you don't have any staff. Okay, figure out how to get it done, mm -hmm. Captain. Figure out how to get it done, Corporal, wherever. And you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And so that means there can't be any fat. You have to outwork your problems. And it's going to be hard. That's just how that is. If you're fortunate enough to land some sweet gig with a corporation and you're happy, that's great. But you are the exception. Most veterans transition several times post getting out. And 18 months is a long time for a veteran at a job. And it's okay to improve your position. It's okay to lateral over. It's okay to say, I'm going to take a step back. Ideally, you're going to evaluate yourself and promote yourself. Hey, I've been working hard. I think I'm ready for a promotion. What do you have in mind? And if they're like, ah, you're like, okay, go look. Go find another place where you can go. Yeah. And you don't have to stay at that rank. You don't have to stay at that place. It is okay to move around. And if you take that approach, you, you've got a shot. But again, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's it's not going to be easy. And I'm still searching. You're still searching. Yeah. We still search. Yeah. And, and the complacency of being like, okay, I got the job. I replaced the paycheck. That's, I find that to be extremely risky because I, I never say everybody should be an entrepreneur. Absolutely not. Please. Right. <laughs> it's, it it yeah. can be crazy. But that said, what entrepreneur or business owner and any, you know, babysitter for that matter, which, you know, which one of those relies on simply one customer? Because yeah. if that customer's gone, then no. But we've been led to believe that one employer is the best approach. And so many things could go wrong to end that agreement. The whole industry yeah. could get taken down by a new microchip or something. Yeah. So let's yeah. be or real. Or a virus. Yeah, exa yeah, exactly. But let's be realistic. 
with not saying, hey, always be looking for the next job if you like it, but at least be networking for the just in case. Always be sharing and showing your value. That's what social media, things like podcasts, YouTube, anybody has access to it. Talk about being lean. This is free. And yet, how many people in years to come might stumble across this video, listen to the podcast and, and learn one, learn something, but also get yeah. to know us a little better. It's free networking. Everybody can do it. And tell us a little bit more about how you're in you drastic shift in, into podcasting. Sounds like you, hey, I lucked into it, stumbled into it, radio show. Guess what? I like to talk. I'm pretty good at it. But it, it, it's not just about, hey, I'm good at it, so I might as well do it. There's also skill set development as you're finding out who you are and who, who you want to be. Uh, I just I wanted you to share a little bit more about what that kind of means for you, meant for you. To have a podcast when we first started, we knew we were wrong. We were like, we don't know what we're doing. And we think it works like this. You go out, you talk to comedians, they, and then you go on to all of their shows. They come on all your shows. And then you talk about your Amazon link and people buy things through Amazon and that's how you make your money. <laughs> that proved to be completely false. <laughs> Amazon is high enough. Yeah. So yes, you can have comedians on your show. Yes, they will possibly have you on their show. But if you're interesting, not just anybody. And I've got, look, I've got a very interesting background. I can go on people's shows. I wouldn't advise that as a viable approach to anybody else. If you're going to do that, you would better spend some time in marketing and learning how to pitch yourself and know mm -hmm. your story. So in general, you talked about networking and, and moving to another job or not. If you're not constantly networking, it, we all know it's the people that we know. You need to know the right people, which means you need to know more people, which means you have to work on networking all the time, whether it's internally or externally. You know, when someone sees you and recognizes you are the, you're golden and the company won't, they may go to that next job, take that CEO role or, or take this project management thing and say, hey, why don't you come with me? I've seen you work. You do that by networking. So you have to network. And that a podcast is a networking tool. First and foremost, it is not. Listen, if you're going to start a podcast, look at my eyes right now. If you're starting a podcast, you probably shouldn't do it. If you're starting it to make money, you shouldn't do it unless you want, because if you want to start a business, go buy a franchise because a podcast is not going to make you any money. I'm not trying to defeat you. I'm just trying to give you practical advice. I'm looking right into the camera and saying, don't do it. If you decide to do it, start it as a hobby, let it grow, let it force you to put more time and effort into it. That's the best advice I can give anyone who, who looks at a podcast. And that applies for everything. Mm -hmm. If you think you want to, your passion does not have to fund your life. It doesn't have to work that way. You can literally go get a job at, I don't know, whatever, uh, the paint store, right? And you sell paint every day and you love it because there's a lot of customer interaction and it's always a new problem coming in and you're making, and so you work at Kelly Moore and you give them eight hours a day and that's it. You don't have to be a go-getter at your job. You can really go out and go get your hobby and work hard at that and balance work and life so that, yes, I work, I pay the bills, I tolerate it. And on occasion, it's a good day and I have people and I don't make a lot of money. However, the moment I hit that door, I'm out and I'm mountain biking or I'm out and I'm writing my book or I'm out and I'm doing whatever. You have to find all of these things out on your own. But if you think it's just like the one solution, like you flip the switch and it all works, it doesn't. You can go on social media and end up spending or wasting 20 hours a week on social media and doing nothing but arguing with people or being told that you're a horrible monster racist. I'm not saying do that. Network, find positive ways to interact with people. And that will without 100% of guarantee, if you go out and you meet two people a week, 
and you just churn through that process and you follow up with those people. And if you compel people to interact with you, you will find opportunity from that, whether it's on social media or it's at Starbucks, you will find people. If you're not that kind of people person, then whatever skill it is, you want to learn how to code, then continue to work at code, write mm -hmm. code every day. Now talk to other coders, build a community. If you build a community, that community will find ways to support you a hundred percent. So the, the podcast is that I built a community and I have a lot of people that come on the show. They're incredible. They blow my mind all the time. I regularly have my mind blown mm -hmm. all the time. Think about how valuable that is. There's no check for that, right. but there's a lot of value in what I do. So yes, a little bit of money comes in the door, but more importantly, I constantly meet people who are working on projects, constantly being introduced to other people now. I've gotten above critical mass with meeting people, and now I get to just manage this network of people. I still add people all the time, but I'm constantly managing it. Hey, you haven't been on the show in a while. What are you working on? How can I help? And they're like, oh, you know what? Actually, you can, and the next thing you know, you've got an opportunity. So Yes, my show drives some revenue, but more importantly, it drives opportunity. And that's what really makes it valuable. Yeah, that's great advice, Pete. Surrounding yourself with the people you want to be most like sometimes means maybe some of the people that you're hanging out with all the time or you think you got to follow up with. If they're not willing to serve you in some capacity, unless they would be selfish, we'd be looking for those who are constantly wanting to give back, can mentor, uh, yeah. give insight you know, and actively intentionally network through something, you know, might be a podcast, might be a coffee meeting at a Starbucks, but Pete, that was amazing insight. Thank you so much for coming in on, onto our show. And uh, we're really excited to get this thing off the ground, but tell us what's next for you, Pete. What, what do you see the next three years looking? What are you looking to do? And, uh, and how can people get a hold of you and who should be contacting you? Now, anybody who wants to, to ask me about podcasts for sure. In general, okay. I'm glad I'm, I'm as long as I can keep up, I'm glad to be an open book. I get more email than I can respond to, but don't let that dissuade you. I'm pretty good at getting back to folks. So Pete at breakitdownshow.com. That's my email. You can email me and for the most part, I will do my best. I promise I will do my best. I can't always promise to get back to everybody. <laughs> I get a right. lot of email. But I, I want, my intention is to do that. My intention is to help uh, get back to everybody. This is a good sign, by the way. If your intention and your output are no longer in agreement, you're probably at max capacity. Figure out how to get something off your plate. All right, breakitdownshow.com. You can always go there and you can watch mm -hmm. a show. My YouTube channel is the place I push people to because they monetize for me there a little bit. So you just type in PDA Turner on YouTube and you should find me. Those are the big things. I've got a couple of projects I'm working on with a couple of veteran writers and we're trying to figure out how to collaborate. The hardest part is always getting these things funded. So I've got to get paid. They've got to get paid and we've got to find someone that's we're looking to build podcast, you know, material. And there's a lot of people out there doing that. So that's really what's next for me is yes, doing shows for clients and helping people understand like, like, how do I host? All right, I'll teach you how to host. There's a lot of skill sets. I can identify them for you, but that's like the day-to-day -day money. I need to start getting up to the next level now where people are coming and approaching me and saying, hey, we have this multi-million dollar film and we'd like to do a podcast in conjunction. What do you recommend? And that, that's oh, sort of, cool. that's what I see the future being for me, but um, I've got to go build it. I have the vision. No, that's, yeah. super, that's super inspiring, Pete. Thank you. Thank you again so much for, for coming on and joining us. Looking forward to chatting uh, down the road again and, and keeping Anytime. this thing going. You bet, man. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks again. And uh, be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. We're growing. We're a new show, but we are growing. We're getting a lot, getting some views. And and so this is how we do it. So we're really excited about having everybody along. And the feedback's been amazing, honestly. So really excited about that. So I am motivated to keep this thing going. You, you, you've definitely proven uh, that, hey, if you stick to it, fail a little bit, make some mistakes. I mean, that's what the whole entrepreneurial journey has been all about. But all right, man. Thanks again. My pleasure.
Thanks again for listening to another episode of Veteran Wealth Secrets. Be sure to subscribe to us on all the podcast channels, also on YouTube, and share it with a friend. Visit our website at usvetwealth.com to get access to all of our free resources, including the first three chapters of Veteran Wealth Secrets, the post-military guide to gaining autonomy and control. You can get that today on our website, first three chapters for free, or you can go to amazon.com if you want the Kindle or paperback. We have other resources all over the website, so check out usvetwealth.com to learn more.